Christian Church. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your um, power, for your righteousness, that you will not turn away from evil, but that you will see that evil is undone. For you have a will, you have a plan to see that good triumphs in this world. And Father, we know that because of that, you and your Son, our Lord, the Messiah, the Anointed One, you have engaged in a mission, a mission to overcome death, to overcome the powers of injustice, the disobedient powers of darkness in this world. And Father, we are very thankful for that. We're thankful for that even when we don't realize that that's what we need. And Father, forgive us for those times that we have made your word benign. Forgive us for those times when we have ignored that this is a calling to be adventurous, to stand firm, and not to conform to what's easy and comfortable. Father, would you give us the courage and the strength to trust in you at all times? We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. When you come to the end of this scripture, you realize because of the personal word that the Apostle Paul says, that he has written about the great universal cosmic plan of God, God's will from the very beginning, talking about the amazing and marvelous things that God has done. He raised Christ from the dead. He seated Christ at the place of highest authority. He's raised the church from the dead. He has seated the church with Christ in authority. And all the while that Paul is saying this, he himself is imprisoned. He himself is locked in chains, in a cell, guarded, because this plan of God is a threat to the disobedient powers. And yet, here's Paul, who from his prison cell, chained and guarded for no just reason, describing that ability of God to overcome evil and darkness. And he could, at any moment, and any of us would give him an excuse to say, God, why am I in prison for this? Does this fit into your plan? And yet, Paul writes to encourage us. He writes to encourage Christians to stand while he himself is a prisoner for the Lord, in chains, and yet... He knows that he, in that prison, is God's ambassador. In his prison cell, Paul knows what God has done. He knows what God is doing. And so he knows that he must stand firm. And the armed guards that pass by him daily, some of them are decked out in protective armor. Perhaps there will be a riot. Perhaps someone will challenge their authority. Perhaps some zealot will try to take over. But they're guarded. They have their, their iron, their bronze, their metal, their hardened leather. They're wearing these things to protect their bodies and also to give them weapons to fight back. 
Perhaps Paul notices how they are protected and they're enabled to withstand an attack. And perhaps Paul is inspired by all of that that he sees to realize that saints, the disciples of Jesus, they also need a protection against powers of disobedience and darkness. But what type of armor is going to give a disciple the protection that we need against darkness and evil? Plate armor, chain mail, a sword and a helmet. These things make sense when you have a physical attack coming towards you. But when the enemy and the power against you is the unseen forces of darkness, the rulers of the air, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, then what protects us against that? Paul forges an armor in this last section of the letter. Like a, like a, like a blacksmith in an armory, he's pounding out the raw ore of Scripture. And he goes to the minds of Isaiah and Psalms, the scriptures that you heard read today. And that becomes the raw material of the armor because that's God's armor. These verses, these prophecies, they would have been in Paul's mind. They would have been in his heart. And he would have remembered how God took up his armor, an armor made of righteousness, an armor made of truth. He would have remembered how God's Messiah put on a belt and a sash of truth and righteousness. He would have remembered how those who bring good news, their feet are beautiful. They are, they are, they've got shoes that are ready to go with that good news, ready to spread the good word. Paul would have remembered these things, and out of that, comes the armor of God, the raw material that makes up the armor that you and I are told to take up is the very armor of God himself. This is the armor that enables Christians to stand. This is the armor that equips us in this battle, not against flesh and blood, but in a battle against these unseen dark forces four times in this chapter or just this section right here starting at chapter 6 verse 10 four times Paul uses the verb stand you need to stand and if you think about it and we we often get hung up on the elements and the pieces of the armor and we want to relate it to the Roman armor but why these things why truth righteousness peace and good news why trust why faith why salvation why the Spirit, and the Word of God. Think about who the enemy is. Think about who we're up against. Advances in armor have always kept up with advances in weaponry. If you're a Roman soldier and you're fighting people who have uh, sticks, they're throwing rocks at you with slingshots, then a good hunk of wood covered in leather or a metal helmet, that's going to protect you. But that's not going to protect you as weaponry advances. You get later on into other centuries, weaponry advances. You've got siege engines. You've got bows and arrows. You've got much better technology going into swords. 
So you have to come up with better technology to defend that. And now you have this day where the killing shot of a bullet can be stopped by synthetic materials that create modern body armor. But when your enemy is the, and when the weapons against you are the flaming, fiery darts of the evil one, what type of protection is required? Think about what's wrong in a world that's disobedient to Christ. There's a lot of deception. There's a lot of injustice. Truth, then, enables you to stand. You and I are going to be assaulted every day with all sorts of deceptions. Lies about this world, lies about who you are, and more importantly, lies about what matters most. And some of it will seem benign. It will be wrapped up in wonderful colors. It will be painted with a glossy coat. But it will be a deception. And what's going to enable us to stand is truth. Now, injustice, we see that and and we get angry. And we think that anger is going to be the best response to injustice. Or we might think that law is going to be the perfect response. In the original language, justice and righteousness, it's hard to pull the two apart. Because justice comes from God's definition of righteousness. In the passage that you just heard, uh, that Shane read, God sees that there's no one to take on the oppressor. So he armors up and takes on the oppressors himself. Read through scripture, God has a dim view of those who would oppress others, of those who would make life miserable for others for their own gain. And what we might call justice, God also considers righteousness. Against slander, against empty words, and oh, there's plenty of that out there. There's plenty of that coming from the forces of disobedience. Against that, we have a better footing. We have a word of peace. A word of good news. Why is the gospel good news? Why is it new? Because it says that God is opening up a way for there to be a relationship between all of us. A plan. Not just to save you as individuals. Not just a pass to get you through the right door in the heavenly hereafter. Not just fire insurance to keep you out of hell. But right here and now. There is a good news that says he's not only saving you, he's saving all of us. He's saving this entire world. He's saving our relationships. He's saving our relationships with people we haven't even met yet. And that's going to protect us against slander and the empty words that are out there. Because you're going to hear the deception that will tell you that there are some things that matter But none of them matter like the good news does. Are you going to be ready? Are you going to have your feet prepared? Are you going to be able to stand firm? Remember that Paul urged us in chapter 4, make every effort. In other words, work your hardest. Devote yourself to preserving the spirit of unity and the bond of peace. Are we going to be able to stand? When there are words that could tear us apart. There's a lot of fear. Seems like that's 
in the news all the time today, this morning on a news program. They were talking about the politics of fear and how all of us are getting stirred up by fear. And again, what is it that protects you from that fiery assault? We talk about the shield of faith. And faith sometimes hits our mind and we hear faith as a, as a set of doctrines or a collection of ideas. Those ideas are ideas that we can put our faith in because we can trust in the one who gives us those ideas. Faith and trust are inseparable. When you have that shield in front of you against that assault, you're going to be trusting in that shield to hold up. We can trust in God. Countless times God is called the shield the one, we've sung the songs about it, that he's the shield. Now I ask you this, if we do believe these songs that we've sung, if we believe these psalms, that God's like a shield around us, then why do any of us go from here, why would any of us go from here and be afraid? Can you answer that? Why would we go from here and be afraid if we can trust in the one who protects us? If we trust in the one who's able to defend us from the assault of the evil one? Last two parts of that armor bring up a very different word. It's in there. I don't know if you noticed it. He doesn't say take up all the armor. Take up the breastplate. Take up the belt. Take up the shoes. Take up the, the, um, the shield. But when it comes to the helmet and the sword, he says receive it. Because those have been given to you as a gift. Against darkness and against evil. You and I cannot come up with the resources on our own. But we have been given that salvation that we wear like a helmet that shows that we've been delivered. It shows that we've been rescued. It marks us out as his people. And we have been given the word of God so that we have a better word. We have a better story than the stories that a dark and corrupt world will give us. Because those are the stories that are going to tell you that you're not worth much. Those are the stories that are going to tell you that, that it's hopeless. Those are the stories that are going to tell you to be comfortable. Those are the stories that are going to lull you to accept the status quo. But you're going to have to be able to cut through all that garbage with the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. When we talk about this armor, it's so easy to picture it. As physical armor and the pictures get really cool you know you, you get to you get to show people in armor there's that roman soldier and he's tough and then you've got these guys that they've got these magical pieces of armor and they're amazing and they're mighty and i that right there there's iron man and that's a copyright infringement because somebody Stuck that cross on there, and I know that's not what Stan Lee had in mind. What does an armor of God look like if it's not all of these powerful things? Which would all be very appropriate if there was someone we could hit. If there was someone who was going to hit us, then all of that would be appropriate. But what does this armor look like when we're meant to stand firm against forces that we can't even see? It's hard to imagine. But I think it might look something like this. Some of you remember this image. 
You probably saw it on the news. He's called Tank Man because no one knows who he really is. It was June 4th, 1989. The Chinese government cracked down on protesters who were having a huge demonstration in Tiananmen Square. They wanted a less corrupt government. The response by the military was violent. It was was decisive. On the next day, June 5th, these tanks are still there. And this man with his shopping bag comes out and stands in front of the tanks. Now, it wasn't just four tanks. He was standing in front of an entire column, dozens of tanks. And if the tank would move, he would move. And if the tank would move the other way, he would move. When all along, everybody's thinking, that tank's going to roll over you, son. Get out of there. But it wasn't about the physical power. That image has remained in culture. Even today, in the telling of this story, if this is the first you've ever heard of it, if you watch the video of this, you're amazed that because of his convictions, because he believes that there's something to stand firm against, this man will stand even if it means he gets rolled over or shot. And there have been people throughout history who have paid that price for standing firm. Now, if Tank Man could stand for the goals of a Chinese communist government with less corruption, then how much more ought we to stand because we're part of the will of God to redeem all things and bring all things under the rule of Jesus Christ? If he can stand, how much more can we stand? How much more should we be standing? So take up your armor. Take up your armor. Joyce Chadwell told me a story. She was part of a, a some of the children here may remember this. She was part of a skit with Dina. They were working on, um, they were working on the armor of God. And Joyce said she came in and she tells Dina, and, and you know, this is all set up, of course, because Joyce knows better than this. But, but, you know, but Joyce plays the part well. She comes in and she says, I have all the pieces of the armor of God. And Dina has to say, well, they do no good if you don't put them on. Ah. So there you go. You've heard this wonderful study about the armor of God and what it is. And isn't that interesting that it all came from Isaiah? And isn't that interesting? I remember that story in 1989. Are you going to put your armor on? Are you going to do something about it? There's four things. I'll break it down to four things, okay? And since I tell you what, I'm not even going to load all of you up with all four of these. Since we have four sections here, I'm going to ask each one of you to remember one of these, and you just do that this week, Okay? So, for this group here, I'm going to tell you what the thing is. Number one, put on your armor and stand, okay? And just so you remember that, why don't this this section right here, why don't you stand up? Okay, now, number two, this group right here. The second thing, put on your armor and stand, okay? That's it, put on your armor and stand. This group right here, I want to tell you the third thing. Put on your armor and stand. Stand firm. This group right here, put on your armor and stand. Paul said it four times. That's really what it comes down to. We've got to put on this armor and we've got to stand firm. While we sing this song, if you need prayers, because he does tell us to watch out and pray for each other. If you need to make a decision for God, I pray that you'll do that now. Let's sing this song. If you need to respond to God's invitation to follow him, please do that today.